Well, hello there. It is great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Through the Wealth Lens. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, and as always, we have the star of our show, Mr. Hannes Grasher of UBS, joining us here in just a moment for another wealth management-related discussion. And today, we've got a really special guest joining us today. I want to read a little bit of a brief bio here before we bring her on and get into the topic of the day. Today's guest is Miss Megan Campos. She's a partner at Grant Herman Schwartz & Klinger. She's actually the head of Grant Herman's Miami office. Her practice focuses on international tax and estate planning for high net worth cross-border families. So she has extensive experience advising and you know on the structuring of U.S. real estate investments, cross-border matters to trusts or trust-like structures, uh, and both pre-immigration and expatriation planning. So her core, you know, really of her practice focuses on designing tax efficient structures for multinational families uh, that really preserve their wealth while at the same time taking into consideration some of those non-tax objectives. So we're super thrilled to have Megan with us today to dive into our topic of the day. What are we talking about today? We're getting into succession planning for family businesses. Now, obviously you guys know that Hannes is having these types of conversations with his clients on a regular basis at UBS. We're super thrilled that we've got Megan and her experience jumping aboard the show today. So first and foremost, though, to get our conversation started, let's bring Hannes out and get rocking and rolling. Hannes, good to see you. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Ryan. It's good to be back. And, you know, we're, I consider myself super lucky to have Megan as part of our virtual family office here with us today. She's really an amazing resource for us and has tons of experience in this field. Thrilled that she's able to be a part of the show today as well. I think there's a lot of value that she can add here to our conversation today surrounding this idea of succession planning for family businesses as a whole. Hannes, let's let's uh, you know start with a high level question. I'll throw this over to you to get our conversation rolling. How, you know, how important would you say overall that succession planning really is for any family when there's a business involved? If there's a desire to pass the family business from one generation to the next, succession planning is really central and the lack of a solid succession plan can potentially result in family differences and financial complications that could eventually bring down the family enterprise you know as well as inflict considerable damage on the wealth of the family members and we've seen a number of occasions where poor succession planning can lead to really serious conflicts and these confrontations commonly drain family wealth they tend to cause irreparable harm to family relationships. And that's really, you know, that, that's something we, we try to avoid. Sure, sure. I, I hear you there. So so how can a family then, Hannes, that owns a business assess whether there's really a need for succession planning at, at all? Or is there always a need for succession planning? Talk to us about this. So absolutely it is. Uh, and truly effective succession planning results only not only in a technically successful transfer of the family business, meaning the right structures, et cetera, um, but also in the mitigation or hopefully even elimination of family descent due to the transfer. And this is the type of planning you should be thinking about if you own a family-run business. And, and often the starting point of such a plan is deciding on the future of the family business. And some of the questions family members usually need to answer include, does it make sense to continue as a family business? Or is it smarter to sell the company while it has significant value? 
and then also are the potential heirs of the family business up to the task of capably managing the company. Not everybody is, is you know, as capable as the patriarch maybe. And um, what steps are needed to ensure the continuity of the business when it's transferred? You should mm -hmm. also be thinking about what will be the arrangement between the equity heirs, those who work in the family business, and those family members who have chosen not to. And often not everyone in the picture is capable or even interested in the operation. So if the decision is to keep the company in the family, then a well-designed succession plan is needed. Sure, absolutely, Hannes. And I have a feeling that uh, this next question I'll throw to you will really open the floodgates to bring Megan out and get her you know, involved in today's discussion. But uh, the next question really that begs to be asked, Hannes, is, is let's get into it, really. How should a family that owns a business really just start? Where do they start this process of creating that well-designed, well-executed succession plan as a whole? So the best succession plans that we see are those that are flexible. Um, if a succession plan is not adaptable to changing conditions, unforeseen events can prove really disastrous. At the same time, a well-designed succession plan has clear objectives and targets. What will happen and how it will happen are clearly delineated. And therefore, the roles and responsibilities of family members those who will inherit the company and those who will not are spelled out in detail. And the goals of any succession plan need to be clearly communicated to all impacted family members. And this really best happens personally between family members. You know, explaining the logic in family meetings, for example, often proves useful if family members can voice their concerns. At the same time, it can also be beneficial if the succession plan, at least the big picture, is shared with any senior non-family executives at the family business. Doing so tends to help the family deal with the possibility of losing talent and personnel who are largely responsible for the company's success. And so Megan has gone through this countless times in her career as an attorney working with the super rich that attained their wealth through building the building of family businesses. Megan, can you um, detail any examples of cases in which a client, obviously without naming names, went through the process which enabled a smooth transition and left all parties involved satisfied? Thank you, Hans and Ryan. Thank you for having me here today. You know, I have a really great example of that. I've worked with a family uh, for many years out of Latin America. Um, and there was actually several branches of the family. So, you know, brothers and sisters got together, started a very successful manufacturing business. Um, and there was a family entity that was the entity that held all the subsidiaries and was the main uh, entity that, that they worked through. Um, and this family, even though the different branches held this family enterprise through their own structures, um, they got together at the family enterprise level and created a family protocol. And it was essentially, I guess you could think of this maybe as a shareholders agreement, but this protocol set forth everything that they needed um, to successfully run this business for generations to come. Once the business was passed on to the next generation, 
Uh, it set forth dispute resolution. If there was a dispute, it could be amended if everybody agreed. Um, there was one representative for every branch of the family. And so I had the privilege of working with a few of the branches and I saw that there were differences. There are always going to be differences when you have multiple generations and multiple siblings working in one business, like Hans mentioned, they're not all gonna agree. Not all of them wanna work on the business or know how, um, but having this protocol was key because even though there were differences, they said, well, you know, the protocol won't allow us to do that. So they would recognize, you know, we can't make a, this is not gonna be an issue because we have everything set forth in black and white. So I think that was key for this family. And I've worked with other families that have the same concept of a protocol. And I think that's what really makes the difference in, in being able to pass on the family business to future generations. Yeah, Megan, I really like that example. So thanks, thanks for sharing that one with us. And, and, Guys, we've talked, I mean, Hannes, I know you and I have chatted about this in past episodes as well. I mean, when it comes to family wealth, boy, can that just, it can lead to some sticky situations overall. So Hannes, you had mentioned earlier, you raised the issue of just family conflicts as a whole. Would you say that a well-crafted succession plan can help kind of avoid some of the, the you know, fighting among family members that can take place? Uh, sure, Ryan, and you've heard me many times mention the term the human element, which is so you know so often overlooked in, in crafting any kind of advanced plan, and and so most well-designed succession plans do aim to also foster family harmony, and that's to me is almost more important. Um, and transparency is really instrumental in avoiding serious family confrontations down the line by involving the heirs in the future of the family business as opposed, as opposed to responding to a decree from the patriarch or a senior generation, there usually are fewer bad feelings. And a lot, you know, a lot, a lot of times those bad feelings are accompanied by lawsuits, which you know, we all love to sue here in the United States. We try to, mm -hmm. try to avoid that. When family members understand and accept how the family business will be, trans will be transitioned, it's much more likely that serious problems can be avoided. Mm. But, and this is very important, it's impossible to guarantee all major disagreements between family members will be avoided because of the plan. You know, you've got different personalities that can either lead to disagreements as Megan had just, um, just outlined with different generations. And those agreements can cascade into major altercations. And that's why it's so useful to have a methodology in place to resolve these disputes and as the succession plan is formalized. Sure. Family business mediation can be quite effective, for example. And this approach can help ensure that all the relevant family members have a say and can be heard. And given, given time, it is a way to get consensus and sidestep potential, potentially awful confrontations. Sure, I, I hear you there, Hannes. And family harmony, it obviously being very important, really at the forefront of concern there. But let's let's take a step beyond family harmony here, Hannes. How does a well-crafted succession plan maybe address some of the more technical issues like taxes or financial issues? How, how would you say that a you know a well-crafted succession plan can address maybe some of those areas? Yeah, sure, Ryan. You hit a, on a couple of them already. So um, it, 
these plans also have to ensure that potential threats to the family business are mitigated. And so some of these threats can include things like taxes, as you just mentioned, you know, when a state and transfer taxes are not properly addressed by the succession plan, the money owed will likely come out of the family business and draining money out of the family business can potentially make it difficult to maintain or grow the company. And also competency, the succession plan also needs to address the capabilities of the inheriting family members. Some of them are up to the task, some of them are not up to the task of managing the company well. And steps need to be taken to ensure that everybody's on the same page and are you know, trained or capable of, of continuing the, the, the family business. And, um, and something that we also see sometimes is like individual financial problems. So if a family member who inherits the business has a serious financial problems like bankruptcy, for example, he or she could take actions that would severely harm the company and consequently adversely affect the welfare of other family members. In, you know, in our society, divorce is common, so divorce is um, sometimes a succession plan fails to take into account the possibility of a divorce among the heirs, and there's always a chance that the company can suffer because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Megan, you're no stranger to this world, especially the family mm-hmm. harmony that Hannes had mentioned, as well as these different technical issues that a succession plan can address. What advice might you have, Megan, uh, you know, for, for taking all these goals and, all, of course, these issues that we just rattled off and, and getting them into a really that formalized succession plan to make sure that each is, is addressed in its own way? Well, I think before we get to actually, obviously the most important is to have it in writing. Uh, You definitely want these things written down, whether it be a family protocol, a shareholders agreement, a trust agreement. Um, But I think before you even get to that, my advice for clients is that you want to take a holistic approach to the planning. So you're probably going to be working with an attorney, myself, an investment advisor, family office, um, an accountant, um, and they should take a holistic approach. So I like to say, don't don't let the tax tail wag the dog, right? So even though I'm thinking about the tax consequences, that's not all that I'm taking into consideration and I need to be working with other advisors so that they can help me understand the family dynamic, the investment goals, um, you know, those things that may be important as well. And then once you have this plan um, together, working in conjunction with all of these advisors, I think the next step is to put it in writing. Um, you wanna write it in plain English. And then another very, I. I often stress this point because I think as as advisors or as an attorney, you just think on the very uh, esoteric sometimes and the very technical side of things. Um, But clients often come to me with the, the, you know, the problems that they have on the day to day. Well, how is this going to work on the day to day on a logistical level? How am I to make these payments after we put the shares of my operating company in trust? So I think the next steps after that are you write it down in plain English, you communicate it to everybody so that there's less of a, um, you know, an issue in the future with people disagreeing, well, that's not what we agreed to. Well, here it is in black and white. Um, And then you have to go through the actual, 
how does this work in practice? I have some clients that are actually going through what they call a dry run. Okay, the patriarch's gone. Who signs what? How are we paying for this? How does this business get funded? And we're actually going through the, the practical side of that. Megan, are there issues that families often don't consider about their succession plans that can hurt them or create unwelcome surprises that you've seen being involved in these processes? There are, Hans. I've, uh, I have a really good example of a succession plan gone wrong, <laughs> or actually it was more like a, a lack of a succession plan that went wrong. Um, I think sometimes families, for whatever reason, don't want to involve people from the outside and they try to take on this planning themselves. And unfortunately, you never know when it's your time to go or when, you know, when it's your, when it's your time to go. So I had a situation where a family um, had a very successful business in South America. Um, and unfortunately, the, the patriarch, um, he, he died at a very young age, left and left uh, his young son as the only heir to this entire uh, business. And instead of doing things uh, in a way that would have made it a lot simpler and easy for everybody to understand, he took it upon himself to go and he created a trust in a jurisdiction that we don't really use for trust. So um, I'm not even sure that this arrangement was a trust. It was what could have been a custody agreement for all we know. Um, and then the operating company, which was in Bahamas, um, he, he created a notarial deed in his home country uh, for this Bahamas company that then proceeded to list all of the instructions for the trust, for how the businesses were to be managed, for how the directors were to be replaced. And at the time, the directors were his other siblings. And unfortunately, the siblings and his widow just could not see eye to eye on anything. And what, in, what then happened was in trying to fix this structure for this young child um, to make it more tax efficient because the young child was a US person, we ended up getting into litigation that is still going on to this day and the money to fund that litigation is coming from the actual trust and from the operational business. And unfortunately, until this child reaches 18 and can make decisions on his own, they might continue to be in litigation. So that, that's an example of how something could go terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we talk about this on this show a lot, Megan, and that's aligning yourself with the right team of professionals to help you, you know, move through some of these complicated situations with, you know, a helping hand and a professional hand, of course. So that's a great example. Appreciate you sharing that one with us. And guys, I, you know, another thing that we chat a lot about on this show, Hannes, is, is, hey, look, we're all human. Our circumstances changes. Our families get bigger and smaller over time. Things change. Look at the last few years we've all experienced things change so that being said what would you guys say Hannes I'll throw it over to you first and then maybe Megan you can elaborate um what would you say should be done by, by families you know once they've got the succession plan in place for example should they be revisiting this regularly and making sure it's updated from time to time like what is the ongoing maintenance look like of these 
Yes, we always recommend that they should revisit these plans regularly and they really should think of, or the family should be thinking about the succession planning as an ongoing process rather than just a one-time event. And when succession planning is incorporated in the family's thinking, the probability of the transfer going well can increase dramatically. For example, by making succession planning a regular and recurring topic on the family agenda at family meetings, let's say, it's likely that many potential complications will get worked out before they come to head and before the actual ownership transfer. Mm -hmm. Megan, um, uh, can you expand on that also and, and talk about that a little bit? Sure. So as Han said, things are always changing and they are. The law is always changing. There's always a new law. Family members are moving jurisdictions. So, you know, what works for a family member in one country when they move to another might not work. Um, and so we have to take that into consideration. We can't just create the plan and stick it in a drawer and forget about it. Yep. It's not a one and done type solution, just like ongoing wealth planning, as we've talked about, Hannes, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you do need regular routine maintenance on uh, guys. Hey, look, this has been a great conversation. We've obviously given our audience a lot to think about when it comes to this idea of succession planning for the, maybe their own family business. Um, let's say somebody out there in the audience, you know, they've, th this has really struck a chord with them and maybe they're interested in reaching out, talking to you, Hannes, talking to you, Megan, about uh, their own unique circumstance and maybe how you might best be able to assist them. Hannes, I'll toss it to you first, and then Megan, we can have you follow up. Uh, but Hannes, what would be the best way that somebody out in our audience could get in touch with you uh, and your team, really, uh, to just start a dialogue and, and see where, where a fit might be? Sure. I think the best way to get in touch with our group is by calling us at 212-713-8952 or email me at hannes.grash at bbs.com. You can also... Obviously, get in touch with Megan, her team at GHSK. Um, she can be reached at 305 317 0102 or via email at mcampos, M C A M P O S, at ghsklaw.com. Awesome. Megan, did we catch all that right? We did. That was great. Beautiful. Well done, Hannes. Um, all right. Well, hey, guys, again, look, I appreciate you both carving some time out of your day. You're both busy people, uh, but appreciate you for being here, diving into this idea of succession planning and how family businesses really need to be keeping this at the forefront of their minds as they're moving through their day to day. You know, obviously, we just hit on keeping that ongoing maintenance flowing uh, as time moves on. But all in all, I appreciate you both uh, and your time. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Megan. Maybe we'll have you back on another episode down the line. I would love it. Thank you very much. And of course, look, we want to take one final moment to thank you guys, our audience, for jumping aboard and being with us on the discussion today. If you liked what you heard, you liked what you saw, maybe you took anything away from our conversation, be sure to go ahead and hit that like button, comment on the you know the platform you're checking us out on, subscribe to the show. Of course, share this information, right, with friends, family, business owners, anybody that you think would benefit from these types of conversations. You know, as we've mentioned, we're bringing the same strategies, solutions, and of course, conversations that Hannes is having with his clients on a regular basis and we're bringing them right here to you on this show we've got some great topics teed up for some future episodes and we would hate to have you miss out on any of that information so for Hannes, for megan i'm ryan ruff we're going to go ahead and say so long but we thank you guys one final time for being with us on today's installment of through the wealth lens 
This communication is intended to be used for educational purposes only and does not constitute a solicitation to purchase any security, insurance, or advisory service. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. An investment in any security involves significant risks, and any investment may lose value. Refer to all risk disclosures related to each security product carefully before investing. This commentary is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be officially those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated and the firm does not verify nor guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products and services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at ubs.com slash relationship summary.